cocaine has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Brain stimulation sounds scary and futuristic. Actually, these techniques have been used to suppress pain due to a variety of painful conditions. There are four non-invasive brain stimulation techniques that focus on reducing pain by changing brain activity. One of these up-and-coming treatments is called transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS for short. It's FDA-approved for major depression, and recently, a handheld form is approved for migraine headache with aura. TMS is non-invasive targets the outer layer of the brain called the cerebral cortex and may help correct areas inside the brain that have been altered due to chronic pain. Now, we've done shows on more invasive brain stimulation techniques like deep brain stimulation and motor cortex stimulation, but TMS doesn't require surgery, so it's easier and safer to use. Studies have shown that TMS can reduce pain in patients with fibromyalgia, post-stroke pain, and spinal cord injury, and other conditions as well. Our first guest is Kathy Lamb, a former administrative specialist with 15 years of fibromyalgia. She'll share her life-changing experience with TMS following a study that she participated in. Then Dr. Baron Short, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Medicine and Medical Director of the Brain Stimulation Service at the Medical University of South Carolina, joins us. He'll talk about the theory behind TMS, how it's used, and the exciting future that lies ahead. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Kathy Lamb had the typical widespread body pain from fibromyalgia. It restricted her life and led to depression. After enrolling in a study using transcranial magnetic stimulation, all of her symptoms went into remission. Let's find out all about it. Kathy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. You've had fibromyalgia for about 15 years. That's correct. What is it like living with it? It's um, very painful. It's um, very hard to function. And it makes you depressed because you can't do the things that um, you used to could do. That's very true, and I hear that all the time from patients of mine that I see with fibromyalgia. I want to mention that there are new diagnostic criteria for fibromyalgia uh, that incorporate uh, widespread pain, symptoms that have been present at a similar level for at least three months, and that the patient does not have a disorder that would otherwise explain the pain. And furthermore, 
fibromyalgia really is associated with other symptoms like tension-type headaches or migraine headaches and, and things like irritable bowel syndrome. And in fact, some of the research suggests that the problem really is with pain or sensory amplification rather than a structural or inflammatory condition in the specific body region where the pain is being experienced. Tell us more about your symptoms. I have patients who talk about extreme fatigue, uh, for example, and mood changes and, and gastrointestinal symptoms. That's correct. Yes, I um, felt bad all the time. My shoulders hurt, my arms hurt, my back, my buttocks, mm-hmm. everything on me just was in pain constantly. I'm sorry to hear that. What about fatigue? I, I do feel tired. What about mood changes? I mean, I have several patients who report mood changes. Uh, did you experience them too? Well, it does affect my mood, and I hate to admit to that yeah. because I'm aching and in pain so much, and I just can't get around and move mm-hmm. like I used to. It, you know, it's just depressing, and I'm just tired all the time. Right. Uh, Kathy, how about gastrointestinal problems like gas or diarrhea? Well, now, um, I do have that, but nobody's ever told me my stomach aches all the time and feels like it's bloated. I have gas. Mm -hmm. I mean, those certainly could be symptoms of fibromyalgia. And when it comes to symptoms, there are a number of areas in the body that patients report pain. You mentioned muscle pain. Yes, I do. Where specifically do you have it? When I go to fold my arm in that area by my two shoulders, Mm -hmm. behind my neck. Right. I mean, a lot of my patients will report symptoms in their shoulder girdle, upper arm, hips, uh, upper back, neck, areas where you've described, and sometimes even in the jaw. Did you experience joint pain as well? Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to explain. And and a lot of patients report problems thinking and, and with their memory. How about you? Um, yes, I um, have to think sometimes before I can um, speak mm-hmm. because um, I have a problem with re- remembering what um, I need, what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I know this isn't easy for you, but we really appreciate you being on the show today. Kathy, how has fibromyalgia influenced your work life? Um, I have, um, I do work and, um, you know, and I, it's, um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, because um, I have to lift um, heavy things. Okay. Um, a lot of times, and it's re- it's very hard to um, move around and to do what I need to do. But but I manage. I have one patient who really cannot even tolerate being hugged or touched. How sensitive are you to touch? Very, very much so. Yes, in certain areas on my body, I don't like anyone to touch me mm-hmm. or for my own self. Touch. Yeah. It's just um, certain parts of my body sensitive. Has it reached the point where you can't even tolerate clothes touching that part of the body? Um, it hasn't gotten that bad um, yet. Mm-hmm. I used to would let people shake my hand, mm-hmm. but I cannot let people shake my hand anymore. Wow. It just hurts so bad. I haven't noticed that the hugging hasn't been bad. Oh, that's good. How about sleeping problems? A lot of the patients that I've seen with fibromyalgia feel like they just can't sleep. I get maybe two two hours sleep, and then I'm up for three hours, and I lay down and try to maybe go back to sleep, and um, I might sleep another 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't get a straight seven or eight hours sleep. And that's got to be extremely tough because we know that sleep deprivation worsens pain. 
We're up for a break. When we come back, we'll share the details of how fibromyalgia has limited Catherine's life. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Kathy Lamb, who's had fibromyalgia for 15 years, and she's here to share her life-changing experience with us with a device called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Uh, but first, Kathy, talk to us about, about how restricted you felt from fibromyalgia. I don't do stuff like I used to do. I don't do as much. Mm-hmm. I can't ride a bicycle anymore. Wow. I cannot walk for um, a long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, the fibromyalgia has limited my activity a great deal. It has, and that's what I hear from my patients as well. What kind of medicines have you tried? I've been on Ultram. I was taking it for about two years, and I finally said, that's it. I don't want to take it anymore. So I um, now am not taking it. And But yes, it did help. Mm-hmm. Cymbalta caused me to gain a lot of weight, and so I just stopped taking it because <laughs> I was already feeling bad as it was. And yeah. then to put on um, you know 20 extra pounds, it didn't help matters at all. No, not at all. I know that uh, you told me earlier that psychology was pretty helpful for you. What about massage therapy? Yes, the massages um, did help, but it hurt also while they were doing the massages. And, mm-hmm. and I always had to let everybody know when I went for a massage that I did have the fibromyalgia, but I just couldn't afford to go, you know, to go all the time. Sure. You know, I have a lot of patients, though, who can't tolerate massage because their muscles and their joints are so tender, but I'm glad you could. Now let's talk about what brought you so much relief. You were enrolled in a study that used transcranial magnetic stimulation for pain and specifically for fibromyalgia. What made you eligible for that study? I worked for the hospital that was doing the study. Mm -hmm. And my doctor that diagnosed me with fibromyalgia also works for the same hospital and got me in touch with the study program and went and talked to them and they let me go through the study. Great. Now, talk to us about the device. What does it actually look like? They sat me up in a chair and they put a cap on top of my head. Mm -hmm. It it looked like it was a helmet. It felt like Somebody was tapping in different parts of my scalp. And Kathy, how long would you wear the device? I would be over there about 30 minutes. I think it was twice a week Mm -hmm. for like 8 or 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, please join us for part two when we hear the astounding results that Kathy experienced from transcranial magnetic stimulation. And Kathy, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Don't go away, because up next is Dr. Baron Short, Medical Director of the Brain Stimulation Service at the Medical University of South Carolina. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies 
used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Dr. Baron Short is the medical director of the Brain Stimulation Service at the Medical University of South Carolina. He's conducted research on transcranial magnetic stimulation for depression or pain since 2006. Dr. Short, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Talk to us about uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. What's the history behind it? TMS started back in the mid-80s with uh, Dr. Barker, who was studying TMS in the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And shortly thereafter, Dr. Mark George, who also works at the Brain Stimulation Lab and is actually the director of uh, the research and clinical arms of our service, started to do some research with repetitive TMS for depression and primarily started to stimulate left frontal cortex Mm -hmm. for treatment of depression. It was in 2008 we actually received FDA approval for the use of TMS for depression. And since 2008, uh, the market has grown, hasn't it? Yes, uh, by one company. And then in 2013, a second company. And then uh, just this year, there are two other companies that have received FDA approval to market uh, TMS for treatment of depression. So Mm -hmm. the market in that sense is exploding. Technologies are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. It's a really ripe time for TMS. Many of those companies or various researchers have used these devices in studying of pain. And I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like most of the research on TMS is on depression, but it certainly has been studied for pain relief. And you've been involved in one of those studies for fibromyalgia. We did a pilot trial with using TMS, 10 subjects with uh, real TMS and 10 subjects with a sham or fake TMS. Mm-hmm. What we saw in that trial was within 10 days of treatment, roughly a 29% reduction in mean pain Mm -hmm. in patients with fibromyalgia, and we saw maybe a 4% reduction in the sham or fake TMS. Now, Baron, many might feel like 29% relief really isn't that much, but we know better, and and I'm quite optimistic. That was quite uh, exciting to see, given that most of the FDA uh, medication trials, they're aiming for about a 30% reduction in pain. And right. so we were, in this, at least in this one small trial, seeing those kind of effects in just 10 days of treatment. Yeah, I mean, and there have been other trials as well for fibromyalgia, which have been quite positive. Let's now talk about the mechanisms of transcranial magnetic stimulation. How does it work? It is essentially running a, uh, a rapid alternating current through a coil that produces an electromagnetic pulse. Mm-hmm. That pulse, we can put that over, um, over areas of, of the head, and that electromagnetic pulse will penetrate through skin, bone, muscle, and when it touches the brain, it essentially is converted to an electrical current. Mm-hmm. A high frequency will actually depolarize or activate neurons in the brain, mm-hmm. and a low frequency will inhibit or decrease the activity of neurons. It's getting out of the thinking of chemistry of the brain and starting to think about circuits of the brain. Right, so TMS produces an electrical current that passes through a magnetic field that sort of acts like a bridge to specific areas of the cortex that are involved in pain processing. And in effect, it seems like it may help correct areas of the brain that have been altered due to chronic pain. The idea that we can modify circuits in the brain to treat a variety of neuropsychiatric conditions. So mm-hmm. in the case of depression, um, we st- stimulate left frontal cortex, and it's, if you will, a node in a larger network that involves regulation of emotion. Uh-huh. Um, and it appears to, to kind of modify circuits, uh, circuit activity of the brain, changes uh, 
the plasticity or the ability of the brain to grow or change. Right. Um, and so it's not a big stretch to say, oh, well, let's try that in pain. Very true. Now let's drill down a bit more. Which is used for treating pain, high-frequency or low-frequency stimulation? With motor cortex, where um, we would be using a high-frequency that's activating that, that one region, but then that one region is a node in a network connected to multiple other regions. Say, for example, high-frequency stimulation uh, tends to induce long-term potentiation or neuroplasticity for the ability, the ability of the brain to, to induce change uh, in a sense of form of learning. Yes, exactly. And I think it's encouraging to see some studies showing that TMS can improve pain from migraine, uh, spinal cord injury, and fibromyalgia, as we've talked about, for example. Let me ask you now about what areas of the brain TMS targets specifically for pain control. And let's start with the primary motor cortex. Right, and, and that would be, at this point, the major site that's been studied to show some sort of pain reduction. Mm -hmm. I am in that minority group that's actually done work with fibromyalgia where we stimulated left prefrontal circuitry. And so that doesn't actually fit that paradigm for pain. No, but that dorsolateral prefrontal cortex uh, that you stimulated is actually an area in the front part of the brain that deals with uh, memory, cognitive flexibility, planning, and abstract reasoning, and may in fact have control over pain perception by changing pain pathways. You may be wondering how stimulating a motor portion of the brain can reduce pain. We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. You may wonder how stimulating the motor portion of the brain reduces pain. Dr. Short, how is this possible? It is fascinating. The brain is a, a, a massive network mm -hmm. of circuits. And so if you're just modifying one region in the circuit, it's making changes in the thalamocortical loops that are associated with pain. Mm -hmm. Now, imaging studies suggest that motor cortex stimulation reduces pain by changing the activity of areas in the brain that process pain, like the thalamus, as you mentioned, and it may actually enhance the descending pain inhibitory system. Let me explain. The thalamus is a structure that's deep inside the brain and relays sensory and motor information to the cortex. It coordinates different aspects of pain, the sensory element and the emotional element of the pain experience. In addition, it may influence what we call the descending pain inhibitory system, which is that system that is composed of the release of neurotransmitters like serotonin, norepinephrine, and some of the endogenous opioids called the endorphins. We mentioned earlier that in your study, you used TMS to simulate the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. Now, that's a, an area that has dual effects, both antidepressant and pain-relieving, isn't it? Correct. In that study, it would be very interesting. People might say, well, gosh, were these people just all depressed, and you treated their depression, and so then their pain got 
better. And that's a reasonable assumption. The, the counter to that is we actually saw people's pain improving before changes in depression was being measured daily. It's important to remind ourselves that the pain experience has at least three domains, right? It's, there's the somatic, like what it sensorily feels like. It has an affective component. What do you emotionally feel about your pain? And then your cognitive, right? What you think about it, you know? And right. so, and how you think about it can totally change the pain experience. Well, it absolutely can, which is why something called cognitive behavioral therapy can be so effective. It helps reshape thoughts, especially negative thoughts, to healthy, positive ones, and thereby can reduce pain. As a matter of fact, we've done a two-part show called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy and its Surprising Solutions. Check it out on my website, paulchristomd.com. Uh, Baron, have you thought about customizing transcranial magnetic stimulation for different pain conditions like arthritis and headache, for example? Might someone have an individualized type of TMS treatment that's stimulating multiple brain regions to target their specific type of pain and mm -hmm. where it is. Mm -hmm. like, I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Right now, this stuff is just at the beginning, and we tend to focusing on one area and saying, which makes sense it's where we are in the science of it. But we're going to go way further than that. I can see that. I mean, I think it's tremendously exciting. Now, Dr. Short, is transcranial magnetic stimulation painful? Great question. Yes, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I would even preface it, it depends on the type of TMS. Okay. So a high-frequency TMS at a dose very similar to make motor neurons fire. Mm -hmm. If we use doses that are as high to make your hand move or higher, or high frequency, when you first get treatment, it tends to be painful. I had a tear in my eye the first time I ever had mm -hmm. it. I said, wow, this is pretty neat, pretty painful. Yeah. What we do in a clinical view is we start people lower uh, than their full treatment dose, and over a matter of days, we get them to the full dose. What's very interesting is the brain adapts to the pain stimulus. Okay. Each time you're giving someone a, a session of TMS, say over about 20, 30 minutes, mm -hmm. When they come in for the next session and the next session, their actual perception of pain of the TMS itself reduces. Well, that's good to know because I was wondering whether the pain might prevent patients from wanting this therapy. I don't want people to hear painful, uh, oh my goodness, I should never try this or you know, it's too much to bear. Mm -hmm. I would say everyone in our pain trials has completed TMS in our fibro trial people completed it. So here we are, people with very severe pain, and they're all able to complete these trials. Yeah. So it's, it's manageable. The TMS operators and clinicians and researchers pay good attention to making sure it's tolerable mm -hmm. so people can either do the research or the clinical treatment. Yeah, great, great point. Now, we talked earlier about low-frequency versus high-frequency stimulation, and I think low-frequency stimulation has recently been used to treat migraine with aura. And the migraine tends to be a low frequency, you know, a one hertz pulse to try to knock out the migraine. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's for home use. It is. It's a handheld device that you put on the back of your head mm -hmm. as you're starting to have migraine. And with less than a minute, it sends out a series of pulses to try to knock out that migraine before it really kicks in. And how effective has that been? In the FDA, I think they said people had about a 40% reduction. Mm -hmm. For people that are not benefiting from conventional therapies, it certainly would be 
worth considering. Right. I mean, and it's nice to have an option if you're not getting enough relief. Otherwise, this is primarily available in the U.S. through a post-market open-label study with certain headache specialists in the country. Dr. Short, this has been an insightful show on a cutting-edge treatment for pain. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Please tune in for part two when we explore much more about transcranial magnetic stimulation for pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.